ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Man, coming at you on a on a Monday morning here in June. I am uh, back from a week away. That uh, that Monday morning back, you know, you need someone to kind of give you a little pep. You know, to get you get you back into the swing of things, and so to uh, to do that with me is my friend, our uh, our our buddy cop pilot uh, did not get greenlit that we filmed a year and a half ago called Lewis and Copper, but um, but you know what? We still have these jobs. He's on KTC TV three. I'm here on ESPN fourteen twenty. That is Seth Lewis of Seth Lewis Incorporated. Good morning, man. What's going on? Good morning, Scott. How are you, man? I'm I'm always here to bring the pep. If you need the pep, I'm I'm here. Just call me Pepper. You know what I'm Pep, saying? Pepper. That's Salt. so. That's what. That's what. You, it would have been copper and pepper. There we go. That's, I'm with that. That was that uh, was the buddy that, that the buddy cop team for yeah. certain. Seth Pepper. Yeah. Scott Copper. There it is. So who gets to play like this? The straight edge and who's like the goofball? Oh, I'm definitely the goofball. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just. Maybe it's more of like a comedy. Just in general. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't well, think. But it, I mean, I can be. I can be on the straight and narrow too. So I could I could be I could be straight I could I could you know what I mean like I I could be why the box ourselves one. in this is twenty twenty one our characters exactly. can have a lot of layers I mean, here look you know when you try to fit yourself in a certain box you're only gonna last one season so <laughs> you know it's the multi layered that you know get the cult like followings uh, and and last for eight nine seasons and are most streamed on net- mm-hmm. Netflix mm-hmm. but then those actors end up getting stereotyped into just that role. That's unfortunate, but yeah. you know you can only it's, worry about one thing. At, well, it's hard to break stereotypes. Like people have a stereotype about the Pelicans, it's hard to break. Man, it's it's a stereotype <laughs> that have followed them for a lot of years. A lot of different coaches, a lot of different general managers, and even different owners. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Scott Prather, Seth Lewis. All right, I want I want to come back on that because while I was out last week, a bunch of stuff happened one day, and everyone was you know. Going, going after the Pels, and some Pels fans were in denial. And others. was there was there's there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. But I want to start with some NBA playoffs. Seth, um, Saturday night, Game Seven, Nets, Bucks. That was the, there was a, there was a game there was a, a game in round one between Portland and Denver. That was I think the best playoff game of the playoffs thus far. It was when Lillard went off, but Portland lost double OT. I think absolutely. Kind of similar, only the stakes are higher. It's a game seven. Giannis, can the Bucks do it? You got the the super team on the other side. Kyrie's hurt. Harden's out there throwing up bricks, playing through an injury. And Durant's just going crazy, kind of like Lillard did. But guess what? The Nets lost. Everyone was gassed. Everybody was exhausted. And yet that game seven, even though the overtime had, what, six points total, it was the best game of this postseason. Easily. It was the best game of this postseason because there were just so many big shots and so many big moments. And, like, for example, in the fourth quarter, you know, there was a lot of tweets coming up about, man, you know, we need to put Drew on the milk carton. He's missing. And, I mean, his numbers, you look at you look at the box score. His first 14 shots, he missed 12 of them. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't good. And, I mean, like, literally, if you look at the box score right now and you hadn't watched the game, you'd be like, he didn't have a good game. You watched but the that. shots that he made yeah. were all pretty much all 
huge shots down the stretch. You, you, we've seen him, you know, obviously in his time in New Orleans, Seth. That like the shots he made in the last three and a half minutes when he had the ball. Like if you watch a player enough, you can tell when like they're in the zone, and you could tell. I, I I can't explain it, but his command of the handle, his confidence, like you could tell. I was like, he's about to take the shot, and he's gonna make it. Yeah. Like he he was almost like. NBA Jam, like, all right, now you got the turbo, but you get to just hold it for a while. It doesn't run out. And suddenly, when that kind of clicked for Drew, it, uh, like you said, if you had watched the, you know, if you didn't watch the whole game and you looked at the box screen, you'd be like, he was awful. If you just watched the last four minutes of regulation and overtime, you'd be like, wow, did you see his offense and then his defense on the other end? I mean, it was phenomenal. <laughs> Not to mention that you're talking like, he really was in a groove when he was like driving the baseline. He had the hop step to the right jumper, which is which is something that's definitely in his bag. And I'm like, oh yeah, like no, he's he's definitely feeling it at this point. And I mean, but it could go to so many people. Like I've been one, like many people, that's been very critical of Giannis. And Honestly, the Bucks may be the favorite to win the championship. And guess what? Even if they win the championship, he still needs to come back next year with moves. Like, he, he still needs to put more moves into his bag. But I will give him credit that instead of taking the three-point shot, like they beg him to do, pretty much, he didn't settle a lot. It was a lot of driving. It was a lot of post-ups. It was a lot of— It worked, um, too. And it, and it worked. Because that's what he's best at. This dude is seven twelve. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he's like like he's he's bowing everybody over. Like, like get to the rack. And if you miss at the rack, or if you get an offensive foul, we can live with some of those things. What we can't live with is I don't even mind the catch jumper all the time. I don't really want to see you dribbling into threes like talking about no, it. No, no. That's just not a good – you may make it every now and then, and and obviously when Giannis and Ben Simmons' name come up a lot um, together as far as like shooting because like people say, well, Ben should shoot, and I would agree. Ben should actually shoot the ball. But if he can't shoot threes, like Giannis is the perfect example of like he doesn't keep the defense honest. He – makes the defense pray, hey, I hope this guy shoots a three, and if he makes it, I'm going to shake his hand. Because guess what? He's going to come up the court the next time and do it, and he's not going to make it. But my point is, Giannis didn't settle. He went to the rack. Middleton, um, he got quality shots at times. And even like going on the other side, I mean, we've talked about it off air. Um, I wasn't – I'm not the biggest fan of Kevin Durant. You know, he's someone – who, I mean, he was in that conversation for best player in the world, and then he joins a 73-win team. And he just made results inevitable as far as when you were looking at the war. Like you just, and got really insecure about it. And got really insecure. Really insecure, really about, insecure about, it. about it. So much so he left the, the Oasis uh, over there because he could have they could have probably won more. Maybe injuries and stuff like that could have prevented it, but they could have won more over there. But he wanted to go out and find it. And it's crazy that in a semifinal loss where he airballed the final shot against Drew Holiday, right, that his last three games, and I've watched, I've watched him in OKC. Obviously, I watched him with the Warriors. 
his last three games is the most impressive thing, in my opinion, that he has ever done in his life. Like, and some of it was due to um, maybe some idiotic moves by a coach. Like, that dude's coming off an Achilles. He shouldn't play 48 minutes, 40 minutes, and then 53 minutes. That is insane. Not to mention the guy on one leg playing maybe not that amount of minutes, but something very close to that with, like, that is just, like, thank God that they didn't get hurt any worse, right? Because Kevin Durant, it's not like he's just coming off the Achilles. He's been hurt all season long Mm -hmm. and played those type of minutes. To do that, to average 43 points over that stretch, to shoot 51% over that stretch. In game five, he had, what was it, like 49, 17, 10, three steals, two blocks. Video game numbers. Video game numbers. Video game numbers, but not on the toughest, like, that's not on the toughest difficulty. This is like rookie video game. This is like when you start the video game, video game numbers. Except he's playing against a good defense. He's playing against. Good defenders. Yeah. P.J. Tucker, a lot of people, you know, uh, he's 6'4", but he he was, it's about as physical as you can get. Oh, my goodness. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. uh, Is Middleton underrated? I think so. He's got such a uh, Scott Prather, Seth Lewis, ESPN fourteen twenty. <clears throat> he has such a calmness about him mm-hmm. that Giannis doesn't have. Not that he's wild or anything. That Drew Drew is sometimes too low key, and then when he kind of livens up, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, Middleton is so steady. Yep. and it's like, <clears throat> you know, I'm not, I'm not. He and Chris Paul are very different players, and I'm not comparing the two top to bottom, but one thing that Chris Paul does great, and, you know, we'll talk about the Suns in a minute. They won even without him. Whenever you need a team to just settle down or if the moment, if you feel like that moment is this, is it getting too big, is it getting too big for the team, you need someone to basically take control, get the ball in their hands, set everyone up, and just everybody take a breath. Whether that's a possession where you've got a full shot clock, whether it's in the huddle, whatever it might be. Middleton is that guy for Milwaukee. He's that guy that... This is a big moment. There's a lot of pressure on them. Can are they legit? Can they actually do it? Are they gonna are they gonna get bounced again? Like, is this team ever gonna get to the finals with Giannis? And and all all of that pressure, all the noise you hear, whenever it's a game seven, like you saw on Saturday night, and it's getting tight and oh no, and you're down and you're on the road. If you don't have a guy like that, obviously Middleton's a I mean he's a multi time good score, good defender. But I think it's the other things he means to that team that don't really get appreciated. I think his his calmness, his guile, um, that that's a big reason Milwaukee is in the conference finals right well, now. Well, and it's so it like that team though, like I don't this is gonna come off as I don't know about hating or or something else. Cause that team, even making the conference finals, between the Bucks and the Sixers, they're two of the most frustrating teams to watch because the Bucks like, they're really good at a lot of those things that you said. Getting in the paint, uh, Middleton is this calming force. Just, like, they do a lot of things really well. But, like, when they go away from it, like, when they go away from the bread and butter, um, it's like, man, like, what do you got? Because like, Middleton is that calming force. But Middleton, in that same calming force sense, well, like, there was, I think this was in game five, where... Um, the Nets were coming back, 
and like Middleton takes the ball up the court. And mind you, like Kevin Durant, with all that he's been great with um, as far as post Achilles, he's lost a step a little bit as a defender, right? Like, and that's just, that's expected. But like, he came like right up the court and shot like a 17 footer over him and missed. And it's like, again, I don't think Chris Paul would do that. Like, like to 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 use that comparison, yeah. like Chris Paul's IQ is not, hey, this team is coming back. Let's go down the court and jack up this shot. It's like, no, let's pull it out. Let's use some time and let's get a good shot out of this. And that is the one thing about them that, like, you don't know if they're going to get a good shot. You would bet if anybody can get it, it's Chris Middleton. And that's what probably makes him so underrated is because he is that guy for them. Like, he's touching the ball way more than Giannis down the stretch. Last three, four minutes, it's Chris Middleton time. It's not Giannis time. That's kudos to him and the all-star that he is. Um, But they are still so frustrating to watch. So, I mean, like I said, they they may win a (laughs) – they went they may win an NBA title. You know what I mean? Like like that's that's certainly a possibility um for them. Well, whoever comes out, we'll get back to the East in a minute, Milwaukee and and you know the Western Conference uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, but in the West, Phoenix takes game 1 against the Clippers. Couple of big names not played not playing in the game. Um the Suns, man. Where where do you even begin with this team that Someone out of the West is going to get to the finals. Um, Phoenix has been there before, once, mm-hmm. uh, long time ago. It was well. We were. I mean, well, I, was, I remember it. I no, was, I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to say I remember it, but I was alive for it. I remember but, it. No, you it was, know, it was but, one of Jordan's. I mean, let, let's. It doesn't. You can remember it if you want. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Charles <laughs> you know, Barkley. You know what I'm saying? Like Dan that's, Marley. That's like 92, 93. Like that is. That's a long time ago. It, well, it is. Uh, you, it just reminds me of how old. Yes. I Yes. That's okay. So I'm the old. I'm the old guy. In the, but in I, the but I mean, but I, it's it's not even about that. It's just like Clippers have never been. Like how many players on their team were born for that finals? That's like a good like barometer for that. You know what I'm saying? Like about to find out. <laughs> we're about to find <laughs> we're out. We're about to find out. <laughs> we're about to but, find out. But I mean, like. So we're, in essence, talking about two franchises that are in unprecedented territory. You would think that one of those Steve Nash teams made it, and obviously that was the year that uh, Robert Ory uh, hip-checked Steve Nash into the boards, and um, that was low-key the game-winning shot. Um, You know, big shot Bob. uh, It was just a shot into the the scores table. But, um, But the Suns are in unprecedented territory and yet you know I was I was talking with some friends and they were like well who would you pick if CP and Kawhi don't both don't come back and I'm like man I picked the Suns and they're like man you know you you, you're factoring in what you just saw without Kawhi for two games against a really good jazz team in my opinion I'm like but man the Suns got that CP juice on them you know what I mean like (laughs) Like, the Suns just – there's just something about Chris Paul when he gets with guys, when he gets with players, that he elevates them their game, especially in the short term around him. But it certainly can last long term, too. It may not be to the same level, but, like, their awareness as players will probably never be the same. And you can see that with Devin Booker. So many people are talking about how good Devin Booker has been. 
and he has been really, really, oh, really good. I mean, he's yesterday, been a, what like he's he, but he's been a really good scorer for years. I'm saying he has been a really oh, good sure, scorer sure. for years. He oh, scored the em- seventy points. No, against empty the, stats, Seth. What is this? What is oh, this? What is that empty stats nonsense? Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of it, the empty calories. There's there's an argument to be made that some of that was empty calories before because it wasn't resulting in wins per se. That's I don't think that's necessarily unfair to say about him. But what I think is also uh, fair to say is that like some people are made for the moment. He's made for the moment. That, that's it. That's like it. he's absolutely made for the moment. And <laughs> I think too that being around somebody like Chris Paul, which you know. Maybe some people feel like, oh, maybe he gets a little bit too much credit for that. Like, Booker was a baller before that. But, like, he, he just helps you to see the game better. And, like, Booker maybe scores 40-plus points without Chris Paul, but maybe he doesn't have 11 assists. Like, maybe he doesn't see the court and the playmaking aspect as well, especially in situations like that, without seeing the example for yourself. You know what I mean? And not to mention uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's not like it was. he was bad before Chris Paul got there, but he looks like a completely different player, especially in this postseason. Campaign, I, I still have a couple gifts in my uh, in my phone of him dancing with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook back in their Oklahoma City days. Like, that, he's a, he is a dancing partner. And, like, this dude looks like a legitimate point guard. Like, he's whenever he hits the free agent market, like, he's probably going to get a decent deal. He'll get a raise. To be to maybe be a, a NBA starter at point uh, or a six man something Certainly of that a, nature a, a player with a role, so, which he used to just be an end of the bench guy. He used to be an end end of the bench guy. So you you point to so many of those guys, and like so often we I think we've talked about this in other situations where somebody gets hurt and everybody else feels out of place. You know what I mean? Like Zion, let's say he gets hurt. Then Brandon Ingram is your your first option. Not to say that that's a bad first option, but then maybe that makes Lonzo Ball your second option. Then that makes Eric Bledsoe or Stephen Adams your third. Don't, like don't, it's don't, just, don't, I know, do I know. Stuff. I'm just using that as an example though. The Suns without Chris Paul still <laughs> don't feel like no, in, out in, of place. And that's what that's yes, and that's credit Bonnie Williams, but that's. I don't think you could have said that about Phoenix at the end of maybe at the beginning of the season. I know they won eight games in the bubble last year, all that, but they've come to that place where now they're, I mean, their confidence level is so high. Uh, Scott Prather, Seth Lewis, it's the great Scott show, ESPN 1420.com, talking NBA hoops here in this segment. Um, by the way, answer your question. Um, I was um, I was 11 when uh, when the Bulls played the Suns in the finals. That was what year? 93, I think. I said 93. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see. Langston Galloway was uh, was one. Okay. Jay Crowder and Torrey Craig were two. And Chris Paul was 20. Etwan e- Moore no, was uh, was four. And Chris Paul was eight. Yep. So there you go. Absolutely. And I was two or three. <laughs> two or three. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I remember those Suns teams. They were... Uh, they were good. Charles Barkley does not get enough credit for how good of a play. Like, I think sometimes in those post-game shows, they bring up a stat and they're like, the only other person that did it was Chuck. I think, like, some of, like, some of those things, like, help it. 
but I still don't think people understand how good he was he and how awesome. much he would thrive in this era. He, uh, he Barkley, so I Charles Barkley, I had like his, when he was on the Sixers, I had his starting lineup figure. He was, um, oh man, Chuck, I think it's a generational thing too. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of sports fans that don't really either they saw him play at the very end of his career or they didn't see him play at all and they you know they only really know Charles from Sir Charles on you know inside the NBA and uh man that guy was uh, was an incredible player MVP kind MVP. of player uh ESPN 1420 ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app I'm Scott that is Seth Lewis from KTC TB3 we're going to take a timeout come back and uh, take a look at, I guess, <clears throat> I guess we got to address the uh, the Pelicans' problems. Yep, yep, yep. ESPN fourteen twenty. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Scott Prather, Seth Lewis, coming at you on a Monday morning. Coming up later, we'll cover the CWS a little bit, U.S. Open, but uh, talking NBA hoops. With Seth, uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Seth Lewis Inc. Incorporated over um, at KTC TV three. Check out all the work he and the crew are doing over there. So, I, I I'm gonna. I, I don't want this to. This is gonna be hard to explain because I don't. <coughs> I don't want to make some grand statement about the state of politics or sports or whatever. So. The analogy I'm using is only my perception. I'm not trying to suggest that it's it's everyone else's. But when I when I when the Pelicans get trending on social media, there is a truth and then there are these two sides that sort of play tug of war, but they're only pulling farther apart and not pulling one side closer to the other. What I mean by that is I think sometimes my perception, and this isn't true of everyone. It's almost like in social media, if someone's debating about politics or sports or movies or whatever you're passionate about, okay, you'll let's say you're on a left side, someone's on a right side, and you're you're very entrenched in your side. You believe in it a lot, and then someone on the other side starts to spout off something that has some truth to it, but also is not completely true. So there might be fabrication or um, maybe just some, I don't know, like exaggeration. And instead of like, in, 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 and then you begin to try to debate that or, de- or, or, or in the reaction to that, you start to pull even harder. So now you're not in your same spot you were. You're even a little farther down in that hole. And where I'm going with that, probably did a horrible job of explaining that, is what I see a lot of times, and it's just my timelines, when it comes to the Pels, you've got some national media stuff. Some of it's true. Some of it is not. And then you've got these Pelican fans that are so defensive that they begin to deny some of the accuracies about their favorite team. But also, they... They're not wrong in some of the things that they're saying, but they're also in denial about the state of the franchise, if that makes sense. So they're so so both sides are so fighting with one another so much that it's like, let's just just take yourself away from it and look look at look at the facts here. 
The franchise has not been successful. They're one of only two franchises in the NBA that had never been to a conference finals. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets are the other one who were the team that, yeah, that was came to New Orleans. And for a few years, there was no Charlotte Bobcats. And then the NBA ended up giving the Bobcats and then the Hornets all their old records back. And New Orleans Pelicans, anyway, I don't feel like explaining all the semantics. Right. But some Charlotte Hornets fans got butthurt on Twitter because I mentioned that they were the same franchise for a few years. Um, these two teams, like like the Pels, not these two teams, this one team, the Pelicans, like the Stan Van Gunny thing, like that was, I mean, that's a that's a that's an epic fail. And David and it, Griffin, David Griffin, I'm not even putting it all on Van Gunny. I, I, David, that's an epic fail on him. And to suggest that this team like doesn't, you know, that things aren't bad or that things are okay is 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 wrong. I mean, it is. It isn't great. They do have a lot of work to do. Suggesting that the team is going to is silly. Like they're not they're not going to move. I don't know how many games Zion owes the Pelicans. I know it's more than 90, all right? So like the hyperbole from both sides of everything's all right and everyone needs to back off and and this franchise is in really great hands. And then on the flip side, no one cares. It's terrible. No one ever wants to be there, and they just need to move the team is also hyperbole. But th- I feel like, Seth, when it comes to this franchise, like all I see is like it, it, on social media, any, it's, just, it's just one extreme or the other. Let's just have a serious, real look at this team and realize they got issues. They're not, they're not moving. Gail Benson, I mean, time a little over 300 mil. They're worth over a bill now. And the Saints are projected to be the 12th most valuable NFL franchise pretty soon. So you see dumb reports like, got to sell the Pels to pay for the Saints' taxes and all this other nonsense. Like, they're not going anywhere. And yet, you know, are things as bad as Zion's family doesn't like it there, this or that or the other? I, I don't – to suggest that, like, Zion should be all good and happy? No, he wants to win. And they're not winning. What, would you want him to be good with that? But my my take on it is sometimes I just got to log off and be like, yo, Y'all are both. Everybody just needs to. Everybody just needs to get off of their ground for a minute and stop tugging so hard on this rope and just assess the situation the way it is. So I ask you, Seth Lewis, ESPN fourteen twenty, what is your assessment of this franchise that you have followed for the last eighteen and a half years? I think that a lot of what you said was true. You know, like you, Stan Van Gundy, for example, from the jump. We both thought that was an okay hire. Wasn't the maybe the worst you could do, but it was very safe. We it both, wasn't innovative. We both said publicly, I would have preferred if they had gone with a younger coach. We For both certain. said that. Now neither of us said terrible hire. I didn't. I no, mean, no, I, no, I, I didn't think it was. A it was just kind of like hire, yeah, not, but, not the not the route I would have gone. But, but I'm not in charge. Well, and then you also say, well, what is Stan Van Gundy's ceiling? Because up to this point, the, his most successful team, well, no, I guess, you know, he's made it to an NBA Finals, actually, with the Orlando Magic. I was thinking about the Miami Heat um, and lost to the Lakers. But, like, you just think about how that was constructed and you think about, like, how often he's had a whole lot of success. And you even think about his last stop in Detroit and you say, oh, well, it's different here than in Detroit. But, I mean... Like, you're still asking a lot, no matter what. And on top of, like, I think he didn't get the best deal 
because of the pandemic, because of the short turnaround of seasons, because you couldn't really have the same camp. Like, you know, people point to like, well, Tom Thibodeau, you know, it was his first year and, and look at how their defense looked and look how that team looked. But they had camps. They weren't in the bubble. You know what I mean? He had he really had like legitimate time with that team to like mm-hmm. get them in the shape. The Atlanta Hawks is another team that like while Not their being coach in the bubble was great for both of those teams. It worked out for them. Yeah. Now the Hawks had to fire their coach and they brought on Nate McMillan, but like there is a freshness to the Hawks, or there there's been a freshness to the Hawks in these playoffs that isn't like a lot of the teams that I mean. Every team that went to the semifinals or the conference finals, in actuality, is out. You know what I mean? Three of them lost in the first round. The Celtics, the Heat, and the Lakers all lost in the first round. And the, and the Nuggets got swept <laughs> in the second round. They it, they joined them eight days later, nine days later. So um, it's just to say that um, when it comes to the Pelicans, you could see that like that may have not been the best ideal um, you talk about all year, and I don't know if it was the SVG or if it's Griff or whoever, or if they just were scared. But like in a league that predicates itself on shooting, Alonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe backcourt was bound to be a disaster. That does not take a genius to figure that out. It would have been more surprising if they would have been incredible, because you're sitting there looking at it like, where is the shooting coming from? Mm-hmm. With a center who you traded for, who's been okay, but, like, you extended, and you you gave him a contract extension when you were bidding against no one Mm -hmm. in a league that continually um, disvalues bigs. We're constantly seeing bigs being played off the court um, in the postseason. I don't don't think that's fair to some of them, and I think that you're going to see value in, uh, in guys like, let's say, DeAndre Ayton, who can put their back on somebody and make you pay for putting a little man on me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I like like you take that as disrespect. Rudy Gobert can't do that. He's 7-2. He should be able to do that. Or they should be able to put him in those spots. I'm getting off the point. I was wrong um, about Jazz, by the way. I'll take yeah. that L. So, but the, the whole point is um, this is, and it's not just coaches. It's not just front office. The players were soft last year. You you can't you can't get up as many times as they were and not be talented, right? Like I don't think the Magic had that problem of blowing all those leads, right? But that's because the Magic didn't hold leads. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you had like the, the the Timberwolves until the end of the season didn't hold a lot of leads. That's because they're bad. Except like, when they played the Pelicans. Except for when they played <laughs> the Pelicans, unfortunately, um, Detroit didn't hold a lot of leads because they yeah, were terrible. It, it was you know this. It was hard to get a read on this team because the the media and and people that I know that cover this team very closely in New Orleans, there's no access, right? You got Zoom calls and that was it. It was COVID. You didn't really get to get a a feel for the players and their interactions with the coach. You didn't get to view any practices. You know, these are things in the past that you would get to see. Yep. And, And hear them talk. See the body language. All right, do you believe what they're saying here? What's going on here? And you didn't get any of that. Um this team, you know, they, they something desperately needs to change, ESPN 1420. Uh, I'm not in denial about this team. I also, again, I think it's it's dumb to read articles that say, oh, they've, you know, they're in the bottom of attendance. They haven't been in the bottom 10 of attendance, like, in a long time, by the way. 
So they're, you know, again, Gail Benson, look at it. I don't think she's moving. But final Pell's question, then we'll, we'll get to the Eastern Conference uh, finals here, Seth. What, where, where do they need to go here in terms of a coach? I, I honestly, I don't know because I feel like you want to go with somebody with a steadying presence. You know, like um, I'm not sure what Chauncey Billups would look like as a head coach, right? But I know what he was as a player, and I know that he was a very steady force as a player and somebody that would be able to relate to players very well in general, relate to Zion, relate to um, Brandon Ingram, because he can relate to being a star and a role player. He's he has a very unique perspective, I guess, um, in that regard. He can re- he can relate to being a first round pick and being somebody that a lot of expectations was lumped on him at first, and then it didn't work out. But then later in their career, um, you know, cultivated this role that ended up resulting in him being a Finals MVP. Um, but I just I, so I don't I really don't know which direction. They should they should go as far as a coach is concerned, but I mean Chauncey Billups. I, I guess I talked myself yeah. in the Chauncey yeah, Billups. Just sure. now. It's just yeah. David but Griffin has got to con- the, the, it won't matter it who the matter. coach I was is just about to if say the that. roster is if, not if the roster is trash. It just or, doesn't matter. You say, you say trash. I don't know what you mean by it, but like I, yeah. if it's poorly constructed, poorly constructed. If is you a don't word put for shooters it. around Zion and Ingram, and they're they're, they're it's not going to matter. And, and not to mention too, part of the reason why I was maybe a little bit surprised by Stan Van being fired. Once you hear that he wasn't getting along with the front office either, or, you know, according to reports, it's like, all right, if you ain't getting along with the players or the front office, like you I mean, just have no I, spot. I'm glad they didn't double down on the mistake and say, we're just going to keep trying to make it work. Right. But. I, I'm glad with that. But I will say this. <clears throat> with with Stan Van, he, I'm going to give him credit for unlocking point Zion and putting him in those different positions to be a playmaker and to handle the ball and to do all of those things. They had a top 10 offense. I'm like, man, with an offseason and with an actual training camp, like think about what they could actually learn on defense. Like I, I do think that some of like what he was trying to teach and instill as a defensive coach, it just didn't work out because of that. And it was, you know, if you look at, I think, post – all-star break, the numbers actually flipped. Like, they were a pretty good defensive team, but then the offensive numbers went down. But you could argue that the offensive numbers went down because half the team was hurt after the uh, after the all-star break. So they the the roster construction has to get better. It can't it can't be that poor. Um, you got to get more shooting. You got to get more defenders too. And you have to play. You have to play your young guys. Like you, gotcha. you, 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 you have to. I feel like, like they the fact wasted that so much potential like, growth this year, leaving Bledsoe out there. Like man, and I don't care how he feels personally. I don't care if he doesn't want to come off the bench. He could sit. I'm sorry. I don't care how much you paying him. He if if he if he is that, and I don't even think. I think sometimes we we assume those things, and I think sometimes people just aren't man enough to just go up and tell someone, hey. We're going to have you come off the bench. But doesn't Van Gundy seem like the kind of guy that would? I, I agree. So, like, what's the disconnect? Is Griff, the reports of Griff saying, would he play veteran? Like, none of it makes sense. There is just stuff we don't know that went down. Like, to, to, to go on radio or wherever Griff is going and to say stuff like, oh, uh, Kyra and um, they have to earn their minutes in what, Nikhil and, they, and what, Jackson. And Ky- like, but, well, how are they gonna earn but, minutes what, when they've only got like and, eight practices and, all? And day? not only that though, but like Kyra and Nas, our backcourt of the future, show don't look like it. Yeah, 
It sure does not look like it. So there is this disconnect because Gail has said before that she's not selling the team. Gail's opened it up for David Griffin to do work, and right now he has not gotten it done. Nope. And he and was gifted the he was gifted look, a generational talent after he got the job in Zion. He got, he was gifted a generational talent, and then he got at least an All Star in return. When you when you start talking about um when you start talking B. about yeah. um bi. And Lonzo has improved a lot. I don't know if they're going to keep him or not, but he has improved a lot since he's been. And I don't. Well, it depends on the price. And I think the price that he's going to probably ask for that's probably that 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 probably won't work. But um, but it just has to get better. And man, Zion's a a a, a very nice, humble kid. Um, you can listen to the talks and to the reports and to the everything else. But I I can say just listening to him, he's happy. Uh, as far as like uh, a person is concerned, like he's somebody that just enjoys being on the court, being with his teammates. I think he enjoys New Orleans. Lighting a fire in a team is not a bad thing. They they need Griff needs a fire lit under his butt um, because you can't have a repeat of what's happened in the past with CP and Anthony Davis. That is unacceptable. That can't happen. Can't keep building the fan base if it keeps happening. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. That is Seth Lewis from KTC TV3. All right, Seth, I know you got to run, so before I let you go, uh, the Hawks. I mean, no one thought they were going to be in the, the conference finals. Is the bigger story the Hawks getting there or Philly blowing it? Philly blowing it, in my opinion. Even though the Hawks getting there is incredible because, you know, you look at that first-round series, and you're like, oh, the Hawks-Knicks, that should be a pretty good series. It should be what and what, and they smoke. They absolutely smoke the Knicks. And then you talk about them playing Philly, and it's like, okay, Julius Randle is one thing. Joel Embiid is not Julius Randle. And to their credit, you know, like they have just been tough. They've just been tough outs. Like They've just been such a tough out. And Philly, they exposed – Philly's probably biggest problem, which is that outside of Embiid, who else are you depending on um, to get you buckets? You know, Ben Simmons. Uh, no, it's not. That's not going to happen in the, in the postseason. Harris, I mean, that's... Tobias Harris. But like, if Tobias Harris is your number one perimeter option, it ended up being Seth Curry in this series. Mm-hmm. But if Tobias Harris is your number one perimeter option, like, can you depend on that enough times where it totals four wins? In a series against the the Wizards, of course, but uh, and you would think against the Hawks too, and you know you're talking about the Sixers blew an 18 point lead in Game Five or Game Four, and a 26 point lead or 25 yeah. point lead in Game in Game Five. Those are games, especially with the defense they have. Mm-hmm. Those are games that you're supposed to win in Game Five. Embiid is sitting down at the end of the around the end of the third quarter, and Dwight Howard is pointing at him like, "Hey, man, thank you for getting us this win." And because of the Hawks, like we've talked about the Pelicans in construction, what a beautifully constructed team. When you talk about the Hawks, because Trey Young is amazing, but you have all of these other guys too on the Hawks that can get their own shots, that can shoot. You got rim runners like Clint Capella who, like, if you switch a small onto him, no, maybe he's not punishing you back to the basket. But, like, on that screen, you have to guard the lob. 
Otherwise, Trey is throwing it up, and he's dunking it every time. Mm-hmm. You talk about um, somebody uh, like uh, Collins, like John Collins, who is another person that can go for lobs, but he could also knock down a, a corner three. And then you bring in somebody like Lou Will, who fits so much better than Rajon Rondo, who they had at the beginning of the season, because when Trey gets his spell, you have this guy off the bench along with Herter. You know, like DeAndre Hunter isn't score. even playing. They, they, they just have such a beautifully – constructed team. Seth Lewis has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Seth Lewis Inc. Check him out on KETC TV3. Thanks for coming in, talking hoop, man. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely.